Emmanuel. That song gets me every time. It it leads into what we're talking about tonight and for the next several weeks. What it means, Emmanuel means God with us. In Matthew in Matthew one twenty three, it says this: Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And everything changed. It's from that point that everything changed. What people have been patiently waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years came to be. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is, is hope and waiting and what, what that means and what it looks like and, and how it makes us feel and how we respond in faith to the waiting. Because God with us, He came, but guess what? He's here with us, but He's going to come again in fullness. He's going to come again in the fullness of His kingdom. Amen? Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your grace and Your truth. And I thank You that in that, You bring us a balance. You bring us a hope. Because we see that things aren't quite what we wish they were. We see that things aren't quite lining up yet. But we have a hope. And we stand on that hope. We stand on your word. We stand on your promises. Because your promises are true. Your promises are yes, they're amen. Your promises are eternal. And we are your people. And we thank you that we get to be your people. Father, keep us alert and keep us expectant. Turn our hearts towards you. Turn our hearts towards the things of you. Turn our hearts away from the things of the world. Help us to focus in on you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the series name is, is Advent. It's the season we're in. It's the time we're in. But alert expectancy is, what on my, is what's on my heart. Is that we are alert and we are expectant. We're, we're stirring up our hope. We are stirring up the faith that God has given us. Okay, so, so faith God's, God gives us. So that we can even believe, right? We've, we've taught that. We've, we've read that in Scripture. We have been given Jesus' faith to start with, right? Guess what? Hope is something that we stir ourselves up with. We, we choose what we're going to think on. We choose that we are going to believe His promises. And that, to me, is what hope really is. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that's how we partner with God. We stir our hope up and, and we say, you know what? I may not see what you said I was going to see yet, but I will because you are eternal and your promises are eternal. So let's start by reading 
a passage that, that I used to see as a passage about suffrage, about Christ, Christian suffering. Because, for one, there is Christian suffering. I don't know if you realize that, but we're kind of sheltered in the American church. We're kind of sheltered in, in, and protected. A lot of that is actually because of our godly heritage in this country. That, that is why we are so sheltered. We have an opportunity actually to go deeper because we are protected. We are sheltered by the hand of the Almighty because our country was even founded on those godly principles. But there is suffering in the Christian life. And to pretend that there isn't is so disingenuous. I know we all have had suffering. We have a new baby here tonight. There was, some, there was some pain bringing that baby into the world. We've all experienced that, but, but it's the promise that we can make it through the pain. It's the promise of knowing that child is going to be born, that, that, that mothers are able to endure what they endure. It's that, that seed that's planted it's bore when it's carried. When we say it's bore, it means it's carried. And then we receive the promise. So let, let's start by reading Romans 5. And I said it's a, a chapter about, about suffering, but it's, it's taken a turn for me. The turn is hope. So let's read it in the Message Bible tonight. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our door to God and discover that at that same moment, He has already thrown open the door to us and we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might be. I can't say it any better than that. We open the door and it's like, whoa, you are already there. Wow. I didn't know. It's just we finally met the end of ourselves. Like we talked about in, in Touching Heaven that we met the end of ourselves and, and we had spent everything we had and, and we finally were crawling to Jesus and we touched the hem of his garment and he made us whole. We opened the door and he came flooding in. Stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. I've been troubled. How about you guys? I've, I have felt hemmed in before. Because we know that our troubles can develop a passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert. There's that word, alert, for whatever God will do next. Man, those obstacles become stepping stones. You've been walking with God. If you've, if you've been around somebody who's been walking with God, you see it's almost like this superpower of everything thrown at them becomes a stepping stone. It doesn't mean there wasn't pain. It doesn't mean there wasn't some suffering. It doesn't mean there wasn't a time of, of sorrow or even doubt or fear. 
But when you trust God, those obstacles become a stepping stone. Again, in alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. A scripture in Isaiah is translated throughout the Bible. It talks about Jesus being the cornerstone. And, and if our trust is really, if our faith, if our trust, if our hope is really in the cornerstone, we will not be disappointed. You can't be. We'll never feel, never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we cannot round up enough containers to hold everything God generally, generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. But we have to keep that faith. We have to keep that hope stirred up. It's It's that alert expectancy looking into his promises that brings life. I've told a lot of y'all, most of you know that that Jasmine and I, we have five kids, but we also, if you don't know this, we lost five children to miscarriage. So what about the promise there? What about the promise when you weren't healed? What about that? What does that do to your faith? What does that do to your hope? When you see your world crashing down around you, our hope and our faith is not limited by this life and this time. Because while that season of our lives nearly crushed us, it nearly crushed our marriage, it nearly just took me out, nearly took Jasmine out. We finally found hope, and I am confident that when we found hope, the substance of our faith was fulfilled. It was at that point where we were given more children. But not only that, I have faith and I have hope that because God's promises are outside of my timeline, I get to see those kids again. They received the full promise of God like that. Their suffering went went straight to Jesus. And they're standing in his promise. And I can stand in faith and go, even though it hurt, even though it was painful, they are with Jesus. And their hope, their promise is being fulfilled right now. So yeah, sometimes we pray for sick people and they die. It happens, but God's going to get his promise fulfilled one way or the other because his promise is outside the time and the plans of man. And that's what we've got to steadfastly put our hope in. And we've got to steadfastly know that God is good, that he's a good father, that he, that he seeks to reward those who seek him. He opens the door. Amen? So this season... Advent, why? I'm not trying to get you to celebrate another holiday, okay? We have enough busyness in our life. We have enough things going on back and forth, back and forth. 
So what's Advent and why? Some of you may have a very liturgical background. Maybe you were part of, of a liturgical church that, that did these things consistently every year. Or you may be like me and, and you were raised in a church similar to this that you go, what's a liturgy? But here's the ticket. Here's what I want you to walk away with. And I know you know this is right. You can't think about everything all the time. Now, can you? You cannot think about everything all the time. So I would say, I would venture to say that the incarnation and the resurrection of Jesus, which is the reason for our faith, is worthy of our attention. There are so many things. Can I be honest for a second? Can I be real? There are so many other things that I would enjoy thinking about and so many other rabbit trails to go down. But I'm going to take about four weeks this year, and I'm going to think about, I'm going to meditate on, I'm going to thank God for the incarnation. So what does incarnation mean? That's a big word. It's a $20 word, right? It was explained in Emmanuel, God with us. God became man. So the incarnation was when God came as in the form of Jesus, in the form of a man, and he, he walked with us, and he became one of us, and he felt our pain, he felt our suffering, because we don't have a God that's absent to our pain, to our suffering, to our waiting. So that's why, we're, that's why we are going to take a few weeks, and I want to really encourage you that are here Take some time, set it aside, and just thank God for, for Him coming. Think about it, what it must have been like to have been here without, before Christ. You know, their faith was still counted as righteousness to them, but we get to live in so much more. So let's, let's read Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us, who gave himself for us to receive, to redeem us from the lawless and to purify, excuse me, I am having a hard time reading. Maybe I need to step back out of the light. Huh? <laughs> God gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Have you ever thought about you get to be a possession of, of the Most High? As we're waiting for the, per for the perfect to come, that's our hope. He is our blessed hope. So Advent means this. You know what Advent means? To appear, to arrive. That's, what, that's all it means. It's just a fancy word for the arrival of God. It's the arrival. It's the appearing of God. 
believe the Greek word is pyrosia, if you want to go look that up. It's to appear. God with us. So, we're talking about hope tonight, but why do we need hope? I think we all know, we've all heard, well, you can't survive without hope, right? Like, you just can't survive without hope. If you don't have hope in something, you can't survive. We, unfortunately, most all of us have known someone who lost hope and they didn't survive. But what, what's the purpose of hope? What is it addressing? It's addressing waiting. It's addressing a time between what you see and what you know is supposed to happen. So you know the promises of God. So if we stand on the promises of God and we can read the promises of God and we can know the promises of God, it's the waiting that bothers us. Let's read it in the Message Bible. God's God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. Now that doesn't mean that everyone is saved because we have to receive it. There's a lot of people that don't even want to receive it. That's the lost. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life. So that did not say we're turning, we're turning our backs on a godless, indulgent people. We're turning our backs on our godless and indulgent lives. We're being shown how to... Uh, and, and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This is new life. This new life is starting right now. When? When's the new life starting? Right now. And this was 2,000 years ago. And is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior Jesus appears. That's why we have appetizers. It gives us hope for the meal to come, right? Some of us want to fill up on chips and salsa, though, when there's something better coming. It's like, just give it to me now. Just give it to me now. <laughs> What's it? It's my money, and I want it now. So he offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. He made us that. Yeah, we turned our back on our old life, but we, we died to self anyway, right? When we received him and he gave us the power to do it. But we hate waiting. We hate it. Why do we hate waiting? Because waiting forces us to be aware of our need and our lack of control. I love control. Anybody with me? Don't you like being in control of what's going on? Don't you like knowing what's happening next? I love it. Like I have, if I have an idol in my life that I have had to combat over and over and over and over again, it's control. Because I want it right. And if I can do anything at all to make it right, I'm going to do it. Right? But guess what? I still show up at the dentist office. I even can show up on time so he has to wait on me. Right? Or so I'm waiting on him instead of him waiting on me. I had that backwards. I had a dyslexic moment. 
So you can even show up early to the dentist office, but how many of you know that it may be your time, but until it's your turn, you're not going to go back and see him? In fact, I was thinking about that. I was kind of laughing. I was like, how many of us would feel like a king if we didn't have to wait on the dentist when we walk in? It's like, hey, doc, I'm here. Uh, take care of me. And you just walk right into the seat. I mean, it, doesn't that just pump our ego up if we were to just be that important that even the dentist sprung to our desires? doesn't work that way, does it? You even have to wait on a root canal. Well, that's fun. Even if it's your time, it may not be your turn. There is something that comes, something of beauty that comes in waiting. It's a, it's a steadfast confidence. It's a, it's a purification. It's a tempering, as it said in the Scripture. A purification. Think of how do you get pure gold through the heat? I would not trade some of those times of waiting in my life for the peace I have now. And you would think it'd be the other way around because when you have struggles, you lose peace, right? Not if your hope is placed right. If you have, if you have your hope placed right, even in those struggles, all of a sudden, you have this confidence and you don't worry about what God's saying. You know what He's saying. And He gives you, He leads you in peace when you allow the waiting to take place. And that's where our hope lies. We think that if we get what we want, when we want it, that we must be in God's perfect plan. How many of you ever thought, oh, that door just opened right up for me. That's that's God's plan. I'm his kid. Well, yeah, you are. That's right. But sweetheart, the whole world doesn't revolve around you. It doesn't revolve around me. Sometimes when we dig into the deeper things, we end up waiting a little while. But what's revealed when we get to wait a little while is how big God is. Because waiting is the place where we can see how great and how vast God's ideal plan really is. Because me waiting, I may get to see five other people have their desire fulfilled because, because God's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So God's got a lot of people lined up and he is incredibly omnipotent. He's over it all, and he's, he is getting his will done on the earth through people that have a free will and have a choice whether they follow him or not. Now, that's a big God right there. That's, that's bigger than some dictator that, that I once believed in. This is a God who partners with man, his creation, and gives man authority on earth to do the will of God. Waiting forces us to be aware of our need and our lack of control. So I put that in there twice for a reason. That's why we need hope. That's why when we're waiting for... Okay, so this hit me Sunday night at the, uh, 
at the dwelling place. There was a word given that somebody needed to take the gloves off, take the boxing gloves off and hang them on the wall because someone else is doing the fighting for you. Several of us received that word. I was one of them. I went home and I said, you know what? There's a few things I've been waiting on that, that have taken me a little bit out of the game. Y'all know that we have our, our home for sale. God told me, I really believe God told me to move to Texarkana, move from Ashdown to Texarkana. So I've been waiting. I'm like, well, if God said it's going to happen, but it hadn't happened in my timeline. Any of y'all been there? So I'm waiting on my timeline, but I had taken myself out of the game a little bit. I was like, uh, when I say out of the game, what I mean is I had quit enjoying some things that I used to enjoy. I had quit enjoying where I am now. You ever been there? So the next day, you know what I did? Just to, just to kind of an act of faith, I went and hung up. I don't know how many strands of lights, but it was hours and it was cold, but it was worth it. Somebody may come in and buy it tomorrow, and I may have done all that work just to take it down. I mean, I have to have them down by April anyway, right? No? Oh, that's right. We're, we are in, those of you online, we are in Arkansas. And so we can leave our trees, we can leave our lights up all year long. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. It's not going to happen. They're coming down New Year's. <sighs> we all know about the Israelites. God's people, yeah? God kept calling them a stubborn, stiff-necked people. They wanted it their way, and they wanted it now. They wanted it their way, and they wanted it now. They wanted it their way, and they wanted it now. Nothing was ever good enough for them. They get taken out of captivity. They want to go back into slavery. They get, they're in slavery, and they're, they're just saying, God, why have you abandoned us? It starts with the lineage of a king. The Israelites had said, we want a king to come and tell us what to do, how to live, how to do things. And God's telling them, you don't really want a king. God's trying to tell them, you need a relationship with me. You don't need this king. And so these Israelites, they're insistent. We want a king. We want a king like the rest of the countries have. We want a king over us. So what do they get? They get Solomon. God even entered in. You know, this is funny. God's saying, let me be your king. And let, yet God gives them the desires of what they kept asking for and what they kept desiring, right? They give them, God gives them Solomon. He even anoints Solomon, calls him to be the king. God entered in even there. Saul, Saul, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Thank you for the two S's. So God gave them King Saul. And he was a good king for a little while. But then he wanted to start doing things his own way. And Israel paid. Because they wanted it their way and they wanted it now. They didn't want relationship. But then came David. Then came King David. And King David was anointed as king. And he was a man after God's own heart. And, and King David gives me hope. He gives me hope for my life. 
because of the things that he struggled with and the things that, that he chose to do. But yet he still loved God. But you fast forward. So there was, there was a good king. They're finally like, okay, we finally have a king. And he's finally over all of Israel. And then for a little while, there's, there's King Solomon, and he's the wisest man in the world. Until he gets entrapped by all of his wives' foreign religions. And from that point on, for hundreds of years and generations and generations, their kings just kept leading them down a path and leading them into destruction. Ended up, ends up taking them into slavery and into bondage and being sold into slavery. Out of all these kings Israel had, there was, there was like two that had a heart after God. We get to live in a great country, but we still don't need to be like the Israelites and put our, our faith in politicians and put our faith in all of these things. We need to have a voice. We need to be active. We need to go and vote. We need to pray about who is over us. We're commanded to. But still, that's not our blessed hope. Jesus is our blessed hope. And if you put your trust in anything but Jesus, you will end up in captivity. You will end up in bondage. So, so if, if waiting is why we need hope, what is hope? Hope is a proper perspective of the future so we can have a positive attitude in the present. It's knowing the promises of God even when, we're in, even when we're suffering at the moment, knowing the promises of God and going, He's going to deliver me. I get to be with Him. So we can control our attitude. The proper attitude will stir our faith. It's where hope and faith collide, in my opinion. As it says in Hebrews, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And his kingdom will never decrease. So we can go back to Isaiah. But I want you to think about this. We're going to read this. His kingdom will never decrease. His kingdom from the day that God was incarnate on earth has been increasing. We've had some bad, what you call, eschatology in our time. Oh, it's going to get so much worse. It's going to get so much darker. It's going to get so much this or that. Isaiah said like five, six, seven hundred years before the coming king that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end. So I don't know what you've been taught in the past, but I believe the promises of God. I've seen the spread. If you study from, from the day Christ was bought, brought onto the earth, 
his disciples have spread the word, and it has grown, and it has grown, and it has grown. Don't just believe what the 5 o'clock news tells you, but also don't believe that, that it's all darkness out there. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The thing about Isaiah is it wasn't long, it wasn't many generations after Isaiah that there was silence. That even the prophets, they just went about their day-to-day work and they hadn't heard from God. They call it the years of of silence. There's approximately 400 years there where there was practically no known word of God of God that we have any record of today. And we think that a three-minute burrito takes too long in the microwave. Where's our hope? Where's our faith? I'm exhorting us, but I want to encourage us because we live in a great time, and it is. His kingdom will increase. His government and peace, there will be no end. But we're still waiting. We're still hoping. We're still believing. It was, it was in that 400 years of silence that the greatest thing in our universe happened, Jesus came. It was out of probably the darkest time that Jesus came. It was out of that waiting. It was out of that hope. And that's why we remember hundreds of years of silence. It was broken by one who stands in the presence of God. So the angel came. We're going to read for a minute out of the gospel according to Luke. Gabriel came. I like how he addresses himself when Zechariah doesn't understand. He's like, what do you mean? He said, I, I, Gabriel said this, the angel, the archangel, I am one who has been standing in the presence of God. So in our greatest time of darkness, in our greatest time of need, heaven comes to earth when we had nothing but Religion, when we had nothing but things just to do over and over and over again in repetition. And, we're, and the people were just thinking, is this ever going to end? Is my Messiah ever going to be here? 
And now while Zechariah was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And they were appearing, and there appeared to him the angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell upon him. But the angel said to him, what does heaven always say when it, when it enters into our realm? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you, and you shall call his name John. And your wife will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. You know, Gabriel probably saved his life right then because he just called his wife an old lady. Oh, I've never thought about that before. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. And maybe because he called his wife an old lady. Which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept it to herself, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me and took away my reproach among the people. Not only was all of Israel waiting, Elizabeth was waiting. She was barren. And it was a shameful, shameful thing. You know, there was a lot of judgment going around even then. You know, if you didn't have children, it was because you did something wrong, is what the opinion of all the people was. I mean, Zechariah's a priest, and they're probably like, the sin's got to be with Elizabeth. It's got to be. You know, he's the man of God. Can you imagine the weight that she had to bear there? And the joy that would come from God's fulfilled promise after the waiting? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, saying, 
and try to discern, excuse me, this, what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Our comforter, he always comes in in our time of need. When, when we're, even when he gives us a great word and we're going, how do I get there? How do I get where you called me to be? Trust him in the waiting. Trust him in the waiting. We're going to pick this back up next week. We're going to talk next week about peace and about what God's peace looks like even in waiting. Because sometimes even when it's not, when it is our time, it's not our turn and we have to learn to wait. We have to learn to seek and be present. So Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for sealing these words in our heart. We thank you for showing us maybe even where we've been waiting and we've lost hope. Lord, I ask that you help us in this church to take a step over these next few weeks to lean into you, to lean into your promises. Father, I thank you for the blessed hope, which is Christ. I thank you that that you sent your son, that you sent, you came yourself to allow yourself to be placed in the hands of man. That you trusted a teenage girl that was from no particularly important place with the hope of our salvation. That you are so intimately involved in your creation. That all it takes is one person responding in faith. That the doors of heaven come open wide. Father, we thank you that we get to partner with you. We thank you that we get to hear you and be drawn closer to you and drawn closer one to another as we seek your word. Father, stir our hope. Stir our faith. We love you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name.